So I was praying over the readings, especially the gospel. <clears throat> kind of got to thinking about film. And what I mean by that is <clears throat> breaking down film. So a lot of sports, you watch film so you can figure out the opponent, especially football's, a, I think, probably the number one, where you're, you're constantly looking at hours and hours and hours of your opponent's formations, how they attack, how they defend, their zone coverage, how they line up, what their audibles are. Why, why do they do that? They do that so they can defeat their enemy, their opponent. And I think today the scriptures are not so much just stories of something that happened way back when, but they're almost a film projected for us to see how the, op- the opponent, the enemy, works in our lives. Today we have the temptations of Jesus. And everything that Jesus goes through, he does for us. <clears throat> the Second Vatican Council said that Jesus Christ reveals man to himself. And so how Jesus is tempted is how we are tempted. And it's very important to look at the temptations. God is showing us today in a certain way, essentially the way to win the game. Okay, And so the first thing to be revealed through this film is that there is an enemy that's very, very important. Most of the world right now and many of the modern scholars and saints have said that the greatest trick that the enemy played, the devil played on the world, was to get all of us to think he doesn't exist. Because if you think something doesn't exist, you don't pay any attention to it. Like, for example, I don't think about unicorns. Ever. Because they don't exist. I'm sorry, kids. I had a little girl after the 8.30. She was really upset about that. But I don't think about them. I don't go around with my mind consumed with unicorns. Because they're not real. And just so as if the devil's not real in your own mind, you don't ever think about him. And he has free reign in your life. My dear friends, if you don't believe that the devil is real, my question to you is, why are you here? And you could say, well, I believe Jesus is real. I would just say the law of non-contradiction, right? That if there's a good, there has to be a bad. You can't just have the good. And so the enemy is real. He is not just some vestige from an unenlightened worldview. We learn about him in the Word of God. And the Word of God is true. There are many names he goes by, but two I want to focus on particularly. They're both Greek words. The first one is devil. The second one is Satan. Devil in Greek is diabolos or diabaline, which means to break apart. And isn't that what he's best at? Driving a wedge in families between parents and their children, between husbands and wives. Wherever something good is going to happen, get ready for something to try to split it apart. Because that's how he works. That's what he does. The other name is Satan or Satana, which means the accuser. The accuser. Anytime you hear in your own heart, in your own mind, those words, you're not good enough. 
You're pathetic. You can't do it. You're a loser. How could you let that happen? That is the enemy. It's funny because Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the advocate. The one who pleads on our behalf, who encourages us. You want to know the difference in your own heart? The voice of the advocate, God himself, and the enemy, the accuser? One belittles. One is all about accusation. And the other one encourages. The problem is, is that most of us listen to the accuser. And the advocate is always there trying and trying to help us. It is important to remember also that the enemy was created. He is not God. And while though his power is immensely strong, in Christ he holds no power over us. And so when the attacks come from the enemy, we don't just, well, it's called white knuckling. We just hang on for dear life and hope that I can overcome him because you can't. But if you encounter him with Christ, he flees. The scriptures tell us that. If you invoke the name of Jesus during times of temptation, he flees. Here's the kicker, though, of all of it. St. Paul says he doesn't appear as the hideous monster that he is. St. Paul says he appears as an angel of light. And the problem with sin is that it's about 98% true. It's that 2%, that 1%, where the devil says, I'll give you all of this if you only do one thing. Just one. Don't listen to God. Disregard his law. And I'll give you whatever you want. And it's put on display today in the scriptures so clearly... And I think if I ask them, you know, the average Christian, what are the temptations that we see today? Most people would say, well, they're, pow- they're probably for wealth or comfort, power, and honor. But they're not. Those are a sidebar. There's a deeper temptation. And the temptation that the devil uses today is the same one he used at the very beginning of time with Adam and Eve. And it's the same temptation he uses with us. And it is summed up in one word. If. If you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. He wants Jesus to deny that God loves him. He wants Jesus to deny that he is God's son. Just as Adam and Eve, he said to them, God knows that if you eat from the tree, you'll become like him. Deny him. Take for yourself. Grasp what is yours. Take control of your life. Don't trust him. And we see it in the first temptation, the second temptation, the third temptation. I love in the first one it says, Jesus went into the desert, fasted 40 days, ate nothing. And when he finished with that, he was hungry. How about he was starving? He was ravenous. I can barely make like Fridays without eating. And I need a bag of Doritos or something. 40 days. And the devil comes to me and says, if 
If you are the Son of God, turn these rocks into bread and eat. What is the devil really saying? He's saying, if you're God's son, you shouldn't go without. And he says it to all of us. If you're God's son, if you're God's daughter, you shouldn't go without. You should always be satisfied. God should give you whatever you want. And Jesus says, no. You don't get whatever you want. Because there is something more important in this world than the things of this world. You must live on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. I trust my Father. Second, bow down to me and the kingdom of the world is yours. Power. If you're God's son, you should reign over all. Everybody should love you. If you are God's son or you are God's daughter, you shouldn't have lost your job. If God really cares about you, why are you sick? And Jesus says, no. The Lord alone is God and him shall you worship. I don't care about the things of the world. I care about serving my father. And then he takes him to the highest point in Jerusalem on the parapet of the temple. And he says, throw yourself down. And before you hit the ground, stop. And let everybody see you. Because you're God's son, right? What's he really saying to all of us, to Jesus? If you're God's son, people should love you. You should be the most famous. You should be the most honored. You should never fail. And Jesus says, no. My friends, the temptation in your life is are you going to trust Him no matter what comes your way? Are you going to trust that your Father loves you? And that if something's happening to you that you don't understand, that is difficult, that you hate, that in fact that is coming from the hand of God for your good, or are you going to listen to the enemy and do things yourself? It's a choice that every single Christian must face. God didn't say it was going to be easy. But he did say he would be with us through it all. And if Jesus endured the cross from the hands of his father and even said, Father, I don't want this, but your will not mine because I know you and I know that you love me and I know that your power will be made manifest in me if I trust you. Will you follow the master? Or will you take things into your own hands and provide for yourself. This Lent, I challenge you to ask God daily to reveal his love to you. To ask him for a tangible, sensible feeling of his love for you. And more than that, I invite you to frequent the sacrament of confession. 
To ask forgiveness for all the times that we have not followed our Father's will. That we have grasped. That we have taken control. And we have forced our will onto Him. These days of Lent are meant to soften your heart. To conform your heart to the heart of Christ. May we not pass these days in vain. But enter into them with a heart full of freedom and trust in a Father who loves us.